Hey everyone, this podcast is between myself and Jacob Sofer from MetroSuite. MetroSuite is a company based in Toronto that specializes in building prefabricated, modular, additional unit, uh, additional dwelling unit, or garden suite homes. It's the most hands-off approach to building an ADU or garden suite in your backyard that we've come across yet as they prepare the ground site and then literally crane the home and drop it into your backyard. As Ontario pushes for more and more favorable densification laws and incentives for investors, ADUs, laneway homes, and garden suites are becoming increasingly viable and attractive, whether for the purpose of multi-generation family living or extra rental income, you might want to check the space out for yourself. In this podcast, we discuss Metro Suites home products, the advantages and disadvantages of prefab garden suites, recent laws, regulations, numbers on them, and much more. It was a great chat with Jacob. We've actually been teaching a legal second suites and garden suites class at Rockstar for years now, run by architect and designer Andy Tran from Legal Second Suites. We teach Rockstar members the ins and outs of adding additional units to your properties and what the return on investment looks like. It's one of the many different real estate investing strategies that you can use to depending on your goals. We have 22 different training classes at this time offered to Rockstar members on a regular basis, both in person in our training room in Oakville and held online over Zoom as well. So almost every weekly year, Rockstars can join one of the one to three classes a week that we hold and completely immerse themselves in how to use investment real estate to live life on their own terms. We even offer bonus classes and other topics outside of real estate, like how to build an Amazon e-com business, how to achieve peak health and optimal performance, accounting, bookkeeping, life insurance, and estate planning classes. You can check out the full list of 20 plus classes available for Rockstar members and all the Rockstar membership, uh, membership benefits at rockstarinnercircle.com slash member. That's rockstarinnercircle.com slash member. And now on to Jacob Sofer and MetroSuite. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. So I'm live. I'm here with uh, Jacob Sofer from Metro Suite, a TVM company. Is that, uh, that's kind of the sub tagline to Metro Suite? Yeah, it's our parent company. Okay. So TVM, what is TVM? TVM is uh, my family's company. So they're a real estate developer in... Um, <clears throat> Peterborough, Coburg, uh, Kingston area, and they focus on condos, apartment owning and operating apartment buildings and some commercial space as well. So when you say your family, is it like a generational thing? Was it your, your father and your mother that started the company? It, it was my dad. My dad. dad started it and is running it, uh, right now. Um, we were actually business partners in Metro suite as well. TVM. My dad and, and myself in Metro Suite. So, so T, TVM has a stake in, in Metro Suite and running it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then it's also owned with outside investors or? No, no, no. It's just, it's uh, just a division of TVM. That's right. Okay. It's like a subsidiary. Yeah. Yeah. So how did your dad get into this whole TVM business? How, Cause it's, it's quite a large company. Like it's, what, what is it? A thousand units? I think you said under management or that have been built. I don't know the exact number, but about a thousand, um, owned and operated. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think he started in Peterborough, I want to say in the nineties, maybe early two thousands. Um, <clears throat> there was a few programs that had popped up for affordable housing and he sort of jumped on those and renovated and retrofitted a bunch of existing properties that had some heritage designation in Peterborough um, and then built from there. Wow. Yeah. yeah humble beginnings. Yeah. <laughs> so started with heritage buildings and single family homes? Uh, no, apartment buildings. Apartment buildings. Yeah. Okay. So uh, right into the commercial space. Yeah. So, uh, well, no, that would be residential. So he, he, so for example, I think one of his earliest buildings was, um, an old school. So the school had, um, a heritage protected exterior. So I, uh, from what I recall correctly, he renovated the in, inside, kept the exterior and then, um, a portion or all of it is affordable housing. And there were certain programs at the time that helped financing requirements for developers. So it, it, it's certainly evolved since then to uh, condos, 
what he's working on right now. Okay. So why start Metro Suite? Obviously the company's done well since, you know, just 20, 30 years ago. Why jump into this new arena? You guys must see some sort of opportunity in the space to be making this pivot, or at least to add this on to the TVM's uh, business dealings. So why Metro Suite? Well, I think we saw a really unique opportunity uh, with densification within cities. So, you know, there was these initially laneway sweep bylaws that were passed in the city of Toronto in 2018. And as of last year, garden sweep bylaws passed as well. And we just, we took a look at that and said, okay, well, this is probably a really good idea for homeowners and probably going to catch on throughout Ontario. And since then there's been a succession of different legislation or bylaws that have been passed elsewhere. The, the one I'm thinking of is bill 23, uh, which made it made a requirement so that all of Ontario must allow for either three units in the main dwelling or two in the main and one in the back. And there's, there's been a lot of activity since then. So we, we are really bullish on this urban densification space. Uh, and we think modular is the right way to go about it. Sorry, when did Bill 23 pass? December, either November or December of 2022. Okay, and this is Ontario-wide. You said it's mandated that you must allow for two units in the front and one unit in the back. That's right. So the legislation was given royal assent in the fall winter of 2022 and basically what it said is all municipalities must allow for either three self-contained units in the main house so a triplex or two so one on the main floor one in the basement typically uh, and one in the back so three or two plus one and that's I think there was a limit of like a year for these bylaws for the cities to catch up. And we're, we're now a year uh, next month into this uh, Bill 23. And, and a huge amount of municipalities have, have either passed or are about to pass these, these bylaws to actually allow investors to, to build on these properties. On every single type of property, all the different zonings. I, I think it's uh, limited to single family, detached, townhome, uh, or semi-detached, but the the typical suspects. Okay, and and they can't push back against this at all. It's it's what's called as of right. So your as of right means that you're allowed to go directly for a building permit if you meet certain programmatic criteria. Mm-hmm. But the building permit is through the municipality. Correct. So can they push back against this? Who? The municipalities. So long if as they don't want the densification, can they just be like, uh, no, we're not allowing for it? And like, is anybody pushing back against this provincial mandate? Uh, once these bylaws are in place, then you're allowed to go for these building permits so long as you meet their the, the regulations within the bylaws. Certain municipalities, like there is some leeway. So for example, I think Oshawa implemented these these bylaws but they added some parking requirements that made it more difficult so that would be one example of a municipality that might have made it a little more challenging but then you look at say somewhere like Clarington or Peterborough right next door and they're way it's way easier to to go about these projects so it's really on a municipal municipality by municipality basis hmm. so mm-hmm. So walk me through the full journey of ADUs and how it's developed. It was, was it really 2017 and 2018 when these first initial laws that you mentioned started being passed and that got your ears pricked up about the opportunity? What, was there stuff happening before that that you guys were paying attention to? Yeah, I think um, we're, we were really focused on California, believe it or not. So as as is normal, Canada's you know, four or five years behind uh, the U.S. And this was the case in California where they had passed these bylaws, I think in 2016, 2017, where it was the same thing. They called ADU, accessory dwelling unit. Here we call it garden suite. But there is an entire market in California where you can now put these units behind single family homes or semis or townhouses. And it's like boomed. Like it's a massive market. 
there's like a few big players now they're venture capital backed and we're now seeing these bylaws pass in Ontario and now Canada wide really and that's that we're catching up and so we were focused on that and now we're focused on on in California these big players were they modular additional dwelling units like you guys are were they building them kind of from the ground up with contracting crews like how did how did it work our our my view is biased, so I'm focused on the the modular outfits. But there are definitely uh, design builders out there. Yeah, uh, but these big players, like, is it modular? Mo- modular, yeah. So I mean, the 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 players that are doing big volume, mm-hmm. um, it, from what we've seen, and obviously there's examples that we haven't seen. They're they're typically prefab or modular. Yeah, it seems like it'd be a lot easier to scale that type of. Uh, company as opposed to just all these different contracting crews and stuff, Correct. right? Correct. Okay. So Metro Suite, so that's how it's born. And for anybody that doesn't know, we did a YouTube video like four months ago or so, um, where we t- actually toured through one of your products. It was the one bedroom modular garden home, mm-hmm. garden suite, all these different languages uh, or terms for this additional dwelling unit. It's basically like uh, a little garden suite you know, it's a fair size, but you can crane it into the backyard and you just plop it right down into the backyard mm-hmm. and you guys prepare the foundation and all that type of stuff. It's a very turnkey done for you product. So we did a YouTube video where we toured through it and then interviewed you about it. Um, but, but what do you guys offer? Like what, what makes you guys unique? Yeah. So <clears throat> one, the, the first and most important thing is we're Terra unlicensed. Uh, so for the investors and your clients that may or may not uh, be aware of Terion, Terion is a not-for-profit government agency that offers homeowners uh, warranty on new homes through the builder. Okay, so that was a quite a rigorous process that we had to go through about eight, 12 months. And so all of our homes come with a seven-year warranty. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that we offer a 100% turnkey process uh, in, in terms of these builds. So we take care of all the site preparation, foundation, utility connections, trenching, uh, landscaping, or any demo work. When you say trenching, what do you mean by that? So the most bylaws say that the home, uh, the, the, the garden suite gets its utilities from the, the main home, and that would be through one trench. So the trench would go to generally where the sanitary line is and it would have the uh, hydro, uh, incoming water, outgoing sanitary, and maybe cable Wi-Fi. Is all in that one trench. Correct. So we take care of that. Uh, The home, which is built uh, in a factory, is transported and delivered to site. The craning process is taken care of or included. Um, The home, which comes fully built, so with countertops, with flooring, with paint on the walls, everything to get you occupancy. So we're with you all the way through occupancy. So you, it's turnkey in the sense that you turn the key and then put your furniture in and rent it out or move in or whatever you want to do. Yeah, okay. And when you crane it into the backyard, how many pieces is it again? That it- so great, great question. Um, the, the homes are not panelized. So I just want to make a delineation. Panelized construction is where you build the home out of walls. So you flap, you build these basically walls or panels in the factory and then you flat pack them and then you transport those walls to site and uh, you still have uh, workers needing to unload the panels and then erect them and put them together. And then still after that, you need uh, to put sort of cabinetry, stone, etc. In our case, it's two modules. It's called volumetric modular. So the, the, the modules are the dimensions of, say, a shipping container. They're not shipping containers, but as one would, you know, could imagine a shipping container. They're made out of wood. And those two modules come on a flatbed truck, right? And then there would be a crane out front of the, the property. And that crane would actually pick up each individual module separately. So one lifted over the main house onto the foundation, then two lifted over the main house onto the foundation and then finishing work, finishing work. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What are your thoughts on those uh, shipping container homes? Uh, We took a look at it before we started. I think there's still a stigma with shipping containers um, in terms of living inside of one. They're they're very, it's... (laughs) 
It, it, <laughs> well, it, looked, it's, it sounds crazy when you just say it, but unless you've seen one of these homes, like they can be beautiful. Yeah. Like one of the most memorable Toronto properties I've ever seen. It was just a YouTube video. Yeah. Though I think I might've passed it. I'm um, just driving. I was like, I think that's one from the video. It was this, I think four or five shipping containers stacked combined. Wow. It was a laneway property. So at the back of, you know, an additional of a, a home that was uh, already there. And it was just gorgeous. Like hmm. it still sticks out in my mind as one of the nicest properties I've ever seen. That's Where was it? I couldn't tell you. Hmm. I couldn't tell you. Wow. It's on, it's probably if you YouTube Toronto shipping container home, it's probably number one result. Hmm. Just gorgeous. Wow. They're, they're, um, they're, they're interesting. They're definitely interesting. And they, they can, like you can position them so that there's maybe cantilevered right at one over the other and you can do some certain things. Yeah. Um, I think we were more focused on just replicating existing construction with wood. We just thought it might be a safer bed, but shipping containers are an interesting alternative. Yeah. No doubt. Right? Part of it. I mean, most of it is really just how cool it is, mm -hmm. which gives the, you know, that property it's, it's uh, uniqueness, but you guys really do like your products are really beautiful. Like, touring through it, it feels like you're in a condo Thanks. and a really nice condo mm -hmm. and better than a condo because you're on the ground floor and if you've got the big windows, the really big, tall ceilings. Um, but very similar to condo living in terms of the overall dimensions, the finishings are very high quality and stuff. Mm. It, it's definitely cool, man. I think you guys, you know, are on the right trend for sure. Thanks. So you have the one bedroom and then you have the two bedroom, right? That's right. We're actually, uh, so our one bed is 480 square feet. That's the one that you walk through. Is it is really? I, it feels bigger. It right? does feel, I'm not yeah. going to lie. It actually does feel bigger. Well, it's because we, we've got 10 foot ceiling, uh, ceilings. Uh, we've got uh, lots of windows as you saw, right? Yeah. Um, and it doesn't waste much space. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks. And, uh, we left sort of that open space open, like no walls. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. um, the two bed is 600 square feet, right? Damn. So, uh, it's sort of like a condo and we're actually introducing this month, um, a 600 square foot one bed. Got it. So just more open. Mm -hmm. Where's the extra space put in more? So the living area, living and bedroom. Yeah. And I'll tell you why in the small one, is that a queen size bed you guys had in that video that we did? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Queen size bed. More than enough room. I'll tell you why. And this actually might be an interesting case study for some clients. So, um, while rates are high right now, people are seeing opportunities, whether uh, on, on existing properties or buying a new one where uh, they can do this, they're, they're interested in putting one of these units behind one of their main home, uh, the home, and then perhaps moving into that garden suite and renting out the main home, right? So that's why we're introducing this larger unit so that people can make that move, right? Because if you think about it, you're spending 400 grand, you put this or so, and you put this unit behind. Now you can rent, depending on the area, the main house for anywhere between five to 10 grand, right? Depending on the neighborhood and city. That's a very capital efficient way to generate income because you're not paying condo fees. You have maximal control because you're literally looking at the other, you know, home. Um, and and it's it's just very efficient right like even taking like trash management and you know mail and stuff like that like you, you you're you, the most important thing is that you're on you're in the same neighborhood you don't have to move into say like a condo right so you're generating income from your property and you're you're staying there so we're seeing that already in california and it's and we're now seeing it here okay yeah so who's your competitor in this market is it just building a garden suite from scratch? Are there other types of drop-in solutions? You mentioned the panelized, like where do you guys stand in the market and who do you appeal to? Hmm. Yeah, good question. I think there's, there's definitely other players uh, in the market. So I'm hard pressed to find another player that has a showroom, a, a showroom with an actual model home that's Terry unlicensed and that builds volumetric modular and takes care of the entire project. I, I am hard pressed to find that. That being said, um, there are several design builders that do custom projects. Um, and then there are some uh, smaller modular players. 
but you really have to be careful, right? This is a huge investment. So you really, you want to be comfortable as the investor, the homeowner, you know, the client who you're working with, right? So I think it's due diligence is very important when you're choosing uh, what to do. Yeah. What are the advantages of using Metro Suite, this modular turnkey solution versus building your own garden suite? I think if you're if you're very uh, adventurous and you're comfortable with managing the entire project, then we wouldn't be competitive for you, um, and that's not something that we sort of assist with. Um, situations where you know you want a, a very custom built home that meets your specific needs, normally not for investors. That would normally be for say a, a very wealthy multi-generational situation where they want say an indoor hot tub or i'm I'm just making it up Uh, those situations you would really want to have that tailored custom site built approach for investors generally they're cost conscious and they're just looking for what is um, a good safe approach and you know when you work with us our pricing is on a fixed cost fixed cost contract basis so it's not a budget or an estimate it's a fixed cost yeah so investors looking investors are typically looking for the highest value right yeah a good solid well-built quality product that's going to rent easily correct the high quality tenants that's going to last a long time Mm -hmm. and rent for a good amount and cost as little as possible to get all that value Mm -hmm. well i mean even clients clients of the brokerage right i mean they're I know you guys work very well with helping clients look at new properties and seeing what their highest and best uh, use is. Yeah. So when when they're looking to see uh, if there's any densification possibilities, offering a fixed cost is just one way that they can say, okay, on my Excel spreadsheet, here's the the purchase price that I can stand behind, and that yeah. that's how I can determine my NOI. I think that's where we're trying to help folks. Yeah. Smart. How do you know if you're even approved for, to put one of these into your backyard? Uh, we offer uh, property eligibility assessments for free so they can, uh, c- clients can go into our website, fill out a very short form and we can get back to them with, uh, if they're eligible. And you guys are all across the province. Where do you guys service people? Where, wherever is allowed. So wherever the zoning allows for, that's where we can work. Uh, we're not limited by geography. Okay. Is there anywhere that's not allowed right now that you're like, yeah, Brampton can't do Brampton, something like that? Yeah. So certain, okay. So there are certain municipalities that haven't passed these bylaws yet, but they have to, right? But they have to. Correct. And is, and you mentioned it's like a month away from them having to. Correct. Yeah. So, um, like Mississauga, I think is working either this month or next month. I could be wrong to pass what's been like, you know, 16 months of study um, to, to pass these bylaws. So that's happening, for example, this month or next month, but isn't currently allowed. What's there to study? Like, we need housing. Here's an opportunity to add more housing. I, I think... It's probably just people delaying the inevitable. I, like you, you pump a million new immigrants into a country. Most of them come to Ontario. Most of those people come to the greater yeah. Toronto area. It's like, look, something's got to give here, man. Something has to give. I think that there is a lot of stakeholders involved when allowing for these uh, bylaws to be enacted. So, look, it's a tough process. If I was a counselor, I would, I would not want to be involved with <laughs> with pushing through this change because it has to happen. But it's the question of how, right? Yeah. What's the right way to densify? Not if, but how. So that, that's the big challenge. Yeah, that's fair. That can be tricky. Yeah. Yeah. So how long does one of these projects take? Four to, we say four to six months from receiving a building permit. Um, and that's because, and that, that's very fast, by the way, right? A normal construction project would take anywhere from 12 months or longer, six, yeah. 16 months. Um, we say that because each municipality offers a different timeline for processing the permit. So we, to be agnostic, we go from receiving the permit. The four to six months is achievable because we can do the site work so that trenching, as we talked about, foundation, et cetera, at the same time as the home is being built 
in the factory. So those things happen concurrently. Um, and that's what yields that those time savings. And in fact, I'll just say one more thing on that. That time savings is, is big for clients, right? Because that equals what would otherwise be rent or construction, financing, interest costs. Mm-hmm. It's carrying costs, it's opportunity costs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's important. And then, so, uh, f- sorry, you said four to six months. That's while the home's being built. That's while you're preparing um, the foundation and the trenching and everything. But are the workers going to be like at your property for the four to six months? No. So we, what we do is... Or is that mainly the build time? And just setting up the other stuff doesn't actually take that much time. Correct. Correct. So the that time is uh, more dependent on the factory build schedule. So the, the schedule of when they can accept the order and how long it takes in terms of the actual site work. We actually push that to the very, as far back as we can to the right before the craning is is scheduled. And that's that's so that um, the homeowner, which generally lives, or the tenant that lives in the property doesn't have that disruption. So yeah. generally six weeks before the craning delivery is expected, that's when we begin the site work. Okay, so it's about six weeks of maybe, let's call it actual disruption time. Approximately, yeah. To the point where you're gonna have workers in the backyard, digging up the trench, mm-hmm. laying down the lines, and then craning the actual thing and setting it up. Mm-hmm. How long is the craning just done in one day and then you're literally done? Yeah, one, one or two days. It's, uh, it's, it's painless. It's a painless process. I wanted to mention um, one other thing. So our foundation type is metal helical piles. Uh, we, we he- helical piles? Helical piles, so okay. piers. Okay. So like, um, uh, you, you know how decks are normally with the posts? Yeah. There's, you can build a foundation with metal, metal posts that okay. hold the, the home up. Um, we can do concrete, but that's our preferred method. And that's... Why is that? Um, it allows us to work year round. So concrete can be poured in the winter, but it's, there's higher risk in terms of curing, mm. right? And, you know, you need blankets, you need heat, you need men to be there or women to be there to control everything. And it's, it's a big mess. Got to keep kids away from drawing in it. And stuff. Oh yeah. Or getting stuck in it. Yeah. Pets. Pets. <laughs> you have a pet mark, uh, pet face. Yeah. Paw print. Yeah. Pet <laughs> yeah. The dog face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, that's, uh, just another process that makes it more seamless. Okay. So yeah. what's this been like for you guys? Like some past projects of yours, like how's it been going? Uh, believe it or not, it's been, uh, it's been really good. So our two most recent deals that we signed was, uh, this month. Um, so one in Bloor West and one in Peterborough. Nice. Yeah. And so what was it investors? Was it someone looking for multi-generational living? Uh, the, the one in Peterborough was actually for a charity called Canadian mental health association. Okay. So, uh, that in that situation, they, the charity has several, uh, homes single family homes, and they're looking to um, increase the social housing that's available to their, who they serve. Oh, interesting. Um, so that would be a really interesting pilot project, I think, there. It could be among one of the first, if not the first, uh, in Peterborough, since Peterborough only passed their bylaws um, last month. Yeah. Um, and then in Bloor West, uh, that's a multi-generational uh, situation though that that homeowner family has indicated that they may rent it out at a certain point okay so again these are very versatile these units right so you you could live there you could have your son or daughter live there you could uh you could have tenants live there for a period of time um so these sort of situations can change over time right yeah so it's a, it seems to me like it's a bit of the wild west with these things because it's so new mm-hmm just, you know, appraisers don't know how to appraise them. Banks don't know how to finance them. Have you seen any progress on those fronts, either from appraisals coming in now for garden suites or ADUs or even laneway homes in Toronto um, or banks starting to finance them in any way? There's been some slower progress than we hope for, but definitely progress. So uh, I think the laneway suite, um, passing in 2018 triggered all this, all these external stakeholders from waking up and saying, okay, we have to do something about this. 
Um, in terms of appraisals, I, I can't really comment there yet. We we have seen um, most homeowners are working with the home equity line of credit to finance these these purchases. So that's that's been great. Though I do think that there'll be a tailored final financial solution at, at a certain point for these projects because they're just they're a larger renovation, right? Like think about spending 100k on your house. It's just a larger renovation that um, is sort of similar, just more jumbo in size, right? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some banks going to be first and say, okay, here's a financing product for this. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if it'll be like a smaller kind of B lender or um, credit union type bank, you know, someone very specific like that, mm-hmm. as opposed to the big banks. Probably C, C and then B and then A. Yeah. Right. In that order. Probably in that order. Cause, you know, n- nothing happens quickly with the big banks, um, but it's going to happen. It's, it's happening now. There, it's such a big opportunity, right? Like, it's so big. Garden suites, laneway suites were first. Garden suites are second, right? Um, the multiplex bylaw passed recently in Toronto, and I, I believe it's available in Hamilton. And there's more coming. There, in fact, there's um, this new new set of bylaws that are uh, moving through the planning and housing committee. I don't know if they got a- approval there. It's called the major streets study. So, and that's been like two to three years. Um, after a bunch of study like to to review this so what that is is um that would allow i might be mis mischaracterizing this so i apologize in advance but that that would be to allow uh a, a property that is on a major street to be knocked down and built up to six stories as of right um for residential so we're going right for a building permit so right now you um you ask for permission it's a very long process right to get zoning for, for a project like that but if this if and this if and when this passes you could go right for building permit for a six-story uh building from, from my understanding so as of right just means you can go directly right to a building permit uh, on a on a what they define as major streets okay there, there's other is this in it just in toronto or is this a provincial this is in Toronto uh, currently. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly the streets, but this this is among many examples that are happening in just Ontario. You look to BC, right? They've just passed in Victoria um, a similar six-story um, as of right, right? And, and Vancouver as well. Uh, they passed a, a multiplex uh, bill, uh, and same with Alberta. So it's like all of Canada. It's right across the board. So you guys looking to other provinces and seeing what they're doing with their densification laws and seeing what the trend is? Uh, you guys following this? Absolutely. Part? Yeah. And we're, you know, we, we'd be open to, um, to moving beyond Ontario, maybe at some time in the future. Where do uh, you build the, uh, where do you build them? We build them in, uh, in, in Canada, uh, in, in Quebec. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So this is a problem that's happening across Canada then. Oh, for sure. Well, a sure. problem and therefore an opportunity. Mm-hmm. For, for investors. I mean, in, investors are really the engine, it seems, of the, the sort of Canada existing inventory. I, I read somewhere that um, investors own about a third of, of all houses, either in Ontario or Canada-wide. Mm-hmm. So investors are really needed to um, build on existing properties or buy new properties and add densification. Yeah. So how are you and your dad looking at the overall real estate opportunity in Ontario? Just in an overall sense. Like I know TVM is probably still actively growing. There's Metro Suite, which is, you know, directly addressing the densification issue. Mm-hmm. How are you guys viewing the, the overall? Right now, things have slowed down with, with rates where they are. But if you could sort of step back and take a, a more f- farsighted view of the landscape, Canada is a great country and lots of people are coming into Canada and we have a chronic structural shortage of housing. So we're bullish on Canada and, and housing and especially in Ontario. We think that when we sort of get out of this post-pandemic lull, we're, we're, it's off to the races. In terms of specific um, 
sort of opportunities. We're really keeping our eye on something called the Housing Accelerator Fund. Are you familiar with this? No. Okay. I think I've heard about it. Okay. So it's one of several initiatives being moved forward by the federal government that basically, it's basically a, a, a slosh of money at the federal level that municipalities can get access to if they uh, apply for it and if they uh, pass certain do certain things to incentivize housing supply in their city. So, for example, uh, the city of London recently was approved. I think they were the first city that was approved on their application to get this. I think it was 74 million. Um, And they as part of that application, they allowed for a fourplex as of right or are allowing. So that's happening like in Ontario. I can just speak to Ontario. That's happening. So this is already happening. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard Pierre Polyev talk about how he wants to incentivize municipalities to um, allow for more housing to be built by having something that sounds just like this, which is you only get the money if you pass the laws that allow for more densification, more housing to be built. But this is already in existence. So I, I, I heard of that he, uh, proposed a bill more housing less bureaucracy yeah, act or yeah, something. Yeah. it's it sounds like people have referred to it as a carrot and stick approach and the housing accelerator fund people other people have referred to it as more of a carrot approach it remains to be seen which one works what's the stick like beating someone with the stick what's the, what's the <laughs> um, difference between carrot and stick and carrot uh carrot is more like um dangling the carrot uh, yeah like offering incentive and then stick is more like punishment yeah right yeah, like, like beating yeah okay <laughs> i don't know how much beating you can do with a stick with well, a carrot stick depends how big the stick is yeah um or so, the carrot I yeah <laughs> but either way there's the, the the intended push is the same it's just to get more housing so mm. being strategic in where you purchase housing and what projects you take on i think is more important now than ever because of all these different the initiatives and things that are happening. Okay. So if you're someone in the middle class, Jacob, and you're looking to purchase some investment property because you realize you're not getting ahead, you know, doing what you're doing now, working your salary job, you need to, you know, you need to own some assets in your life. So you're look, you're in the market to purchase property, knowing everything that, you know, paying attention to all these laws coming down the pipe, the densification stuff, what's your ideal property type that you're buying and where? Great question. So let me ask something back to you. What is the purpose uh, for that individual in terms of their their timeline of holding it and, and what they want to do with it? Say someone thinking long term, 10 years plus, they're looking to just get ahead. Okay. What they're doing is not working. They want financial freedom, but at this point, they'd be just happy keeping pace. Okay. I think what's... It, what would be interesting if I was that person um, would be to look at certain shoulder markets that offer a really good uh, land price, land price uh, rent ratio. Yeah. Okay. So what I mean by that is like, say, look at Peterborough, mm-hmm. right? Peterborough, you could pick up a house for anywhere from. I don't know, even know if this is true anymore. 480, 480,000 to 650, okay, or more. Um, in that situation, you could rent out that house for less than, like maybe a, a good amount. I, I don't want to speculate, you know, what the what the rent would be. So, in that situation, that's a very great ratio. Where you can buy something that's lower cost than definitely Toronto, mm-hmm. but you could rent it out at rents yeah. that are rising. The purchase price is significantly less Correct. than Toronto, Correct. but the rent and the income you can generate from the property is not as significantly less. Correct. Now that's a small, that's, that's a, this is a window of, of, of opportunity that it probably won't last because the market has a tendency to self-regulate. But that window, from what I'm seeing, is still open mm-hmm. for, for those types of opportunities. Now, whether and it's existed the past ten to fifteen years, like yeah. that's what we've 
we've built this business on is helping Rockstar Inner Circle members largely purchase in the greater Golden Horseshoe area, hmm. the shoulder markets mm -hmm. like you're talking about. We've seen the shoulder markets get pushed out further and further and further mm -hmm. as more and more population, you know, from Toronto spills outwards, mm -hmm. you know, so those markets just seem to get pushed out a bit more. Look, Toronto and Ontario specifically is a great bet, in my opinion. So buying, pulling the trigger on these, you know, these opportunities is probably a good bet and just holding and just waiting. Uh, and, you know, you look at the, the graph of uh, population increase in Ontario and, and real estate values and it's just like, just goes way up. So who knows if that'll continue in the future, but I love living here. And I'm, I'm sure you do too. And that's probably going to continue for more people. Hopefully. Yeah. There's some, definitely some trends in the last few years. I haven't been a fan of, um, it's not the same Canada that I grew up in right? in terms of maybe some of the political trends, but don't need to get into that maybe, but I hope things kind of change. I mean, but it seems like everyone around the entire world is getting squeezed more and more financially. That mm -hmm. it's not just a problem, uh, unique to Canada. So I think that's the overall money system and financial system mm -hmm. and the way that, you know, asset owners are being rewarded and everyone else is getting wiped out. Mm -hmm. I think uh, a lot of the politics is probably downstream from that. But yeah, Canada, man, when you look at it, it is one of the best places in the world to live, mm -hmm. regardless of what's going on. Um, there's still so many people coming here for a reason mm -hmm. because where they're coming from, they're escaping something or they see greater opportunity here. Right. And that doesn't seem to be slowing down. Yeah. But yeah, so I think we have an overall similar investment thesis. Um, you know, I'm, I can't speak for everyone here at Rockstar, but for the most part, you know, we try to um, recommend to people purchase properties that are versatile, that have lots of options for you, where you can add a second suite, add a third unit, add the additional dwelling unit, add the garden suite in the future. Big, mm -hmm. big, long and wide lots mm -hmm. are going to allow for more of that stuff. In shoulder markets. In those shoulder markets mm -hmm. where that rental yield, um, that ratio is much higher. Like we pulled these numbers back in 2021 where we put together kind of an in-depth chart and it was like central Toronto, um, the rest of the Toronto market, and then like you know, east and west of the city. So mm -hmm. Burlington, Oakville, all the way up to Hamilton, St. Catharines, you know, Welland, and then uh, east of the city. So Durham, Ajax, Whitby, you know, out, right. out towards Peterborough. And we looked at the average three bedroom single family home uh, purchase price. And then we looked at the average single uh, family three bedroom home uh, rent that you can generate from each property. And that ratio existed both east and west of the city. Wow. And even, you know, north, like to Barrie, Aurelia, um, Kitchener, Cambridge, Waterloo, all around the shoulder. Hmm. You know, if you think about the Golden Horseshoe, that, you know, the purchase price significantly less, but the rent you can generate from the property, um, not as uh, insignificant. Hmm. So you can still generate almost the same amount of rent or a little bit less of the rent, but for a much significantly lower purchase price, hmm. which allows you to hold on to those properties, grow a portfolio that's going to cash flow and kind of weather these high interest rate times. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a very similar thing. And then the more versatility you can have with your property to add these units, take advantage of this densification, you're just setting your future self up for more options down the road. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind too, so I agree with everything that you just said, to build on top of that, any of these new units, so a garden suite or a laneway suite, they're not subject to rent control. Ah, that's a great point. Right? So uh, anything that's built post-November 15, 2018 is not, it does not, um, can, can be raised by the market on a year-over-year -year basis. And that's that does also change the calculus when you're looking, say, five years out. Right? Yeah. Can you talk about the development charges as well? With, with your uh, Metro Suite homes? Yeah, so I can, each municipality, I, I'm, I don't have the knowledge for all the municipalities in terms of ve development charges, but I can speak to say Toronto. Um, Toron Peterborough, uh, there's no development charges. Um, so that's, that's great for, for these projects. For Toronto, what they do is they say, okay, let's sign this agreement uh, between the homeowner and the city. And so long as you don't try to do uh, certain conditions, like try and sever the property or certain other items, uh, we, won't, we won't charge you for development charges. And after the end of that period, we'll just waive the charges. So that's how it works. Uh, and development charges, as you know, in Toronto are like, they're, they're, I, I, I don't know if they're 100K, but they're, they're very high, right? Mm -hmm. So to not 
to take the development charges out of the equation is also very important. Are you talking tens of thousands to above $100,000 in savings? Yeah, it could be, right? Another thing that we may or may not have talked about last time we spoke was um, the the HST rebate potential. So uh, there's been, I won't give tax advice, but there have been situations that we've seen where uh, people who have done these projects apply for an HST rebate at the federal level and get that money back or a a portion of the HST back. So that's something else that would help. Because it's like a new build, like a new condo? Yeah, there's there's a few of these programs. The NRRPR, New Residential Rebate Program or something, and the New Housing Rebate. There's a few of these programs, but the HST money uh, can be gotten back or a portion of it. Um, development charges are, and, and most, in Toronto at least, uh, deferred and then waived. So these are big savings, right? Yeah, totally. So how much do your products cost? Yeah. So our one bed home is 349,000 plus HST and our two bed home is 389 plus HST. We're very transparent with our pricing. It's on the front page of our website. Those prices include everything that I've mentioned. So the site work, foundation, utility connections, trenching, landscaping, the home built and transported, craned into place, delivered, uh, fully outfitted without furniture, so with appliances, everything to get you occupancy. So that's what's included in both those costs. Yeah, so literally all you have to do is move the furniture in, like couch, TV. Correct. Yeah, I think you mentioned it has the Google Nest thermostat and the and the doorbell. It does. But that's the extent. But yeah. it's got the fridge, the stove, dishwasher? Dishwasher, washer, dryer. Are they full-size appliances? So they're, they're condo size. It, yeah. Like you said, it, the... The unit is sort of like a condo on on the ground. Yeah, so and it d- truly does not feel like 400 square feet. Yeah, no, I would have you. said 600 thank from you. the one bed that we mm-hmm. toured through. Um, so That's yeah. another thing. Can people go to your showroom, the one that we did the video at? Yes, absolutely. So do you have to schedule an appointment or appointment only? Yeah, yeah. But we we encourage. Look, we don't want to work with anyone that doesn't want to work with us. So as part That's of a good business rule to have. Yeah. Well. It, it, we, it's just easier for everyone that everyone's comfortable. We, we want the, the client to be comfortable and, uh, you know, we want to help. Right. So, so the first step would be for someone to actually walk through the unit mm-hmm. to see, okay, this product, I like this product. And then we would move forward from there. Yeah. What about design? Do you have any design options? So we offer, uh, color selections on certain components of the house. So the exterior, the flooring, countertop, like choosing the, the color of the Corian stone, um, cabinetry, that sort of thing. But there's no, uh, there's no uh, additional costs. There's no upgrade costs. So it's all included. It's just um, color selection. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like picking out your condo finishings, except everything's the same cost. You're, it, not, it, you're it, not picking between lower quality versus higher quality things. Precisely. So it's like, it's like, like picture walking into a Tesla uh, dealership or even going on their website. It's a better example. They have a configurator where you can choose the Model Y, the Model X, right? And then you can choose the different colors or heated seats or this. In that case, there's costs. In our case, we don't we don't have costs, um, but we do have that sort of build your own process uh, of which we're we will be introducing a configurator at some point. Soon. Okay. Just a curious question. What is the difference between a laneway home and a garden suite? Is it, could you call any additional dwelling unit a laneway home if it just backs onto a laneway, typically in Toronto or, you know, a big city market? Okay. So I'll speak to Toronto specifically. Uh, laneway, the laneway suite bylaws were passed in uh, 2018. And that was for properties that abut a laneway. So that have a laneway on the back. Think Cabbage Town, um, you know, Little Italy, those sort of properties, right? With laneways, they normally have a garage right now, and that garage is sits directly on the property lines. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
those that set of bylaws was meant for those properties where people would knock down the garage or or retrofit it and in the case of knocking down would build a house directly on the property line mm-hmm. like to replace the garage for garden suites that's everyone else that doesn't back onto a laneway yep. that has a backyard that encompasses everyone else that's just putting a home in their backyard correct okay huh anything else on metro suite that you want to share um I think we covered it all. Yeah. yeah. What's it been like working with your dad? He's great. He's a great guy. Um, you know, we don't have to send him this, by the way. <laughs> you can you can be honest. He'll be hi, dad. <laughs> <laughs> He's watching for sure. He'll be watching. Um, Jacob, how old are you? I'm I'm 24. Yeah, you're you're quite impressive, man. I really do have to say. I mean that honestly. Thank um, you. You're very put together. I think for your age. Thank you. Um, it's a big responsibility you have on your shoulders too. Because you're essentially running Metro Suite. I knew, I mean, with your dad and I'm sure guidance of other people in mm-hmm. TBM, but mm-hmm. it's largely your responsibility. It is, yeah. It's uh, it's my baby. My dad has been very supportive and he's been a great mentor to me. And, um, you know, I was just going to say, you know, what's it like working with my dad? It, it's been great. I, I think, you know, it's really, it's interesting. You can judge a person by looking at who they surround themselves with. Right. So, so for example, take some of your investor clients, right? Surrounding themselves with, um, highly sophisticated and qualified coaches, right? Just makes them smarter by, by virtue of feeding off of and learning and absorbing from smarter people than them. I really believe that. Like I do believe that. So, you know, take yourself, right? You're, you've got a huge ecosystem here in the office, right? With that we toured of just really smart, motivated people that want to grow alongside you and want you to grow. So I think that's, it's something that I, I hold true to mm-hmm. myself. Yeah, that's cool, man. What uh, business or life lessons do you think you've learned from your dad? I think the, the, the biggest lesson that I've learned is to think long-term. Love that. It's thinking long-term. So when you make a decision, it's to look at five, 10, 15 years out, right? You make better decisions when you start to think long-term than when you're short-term focused. That's why I love real estate because it, it by its essence, forces you to, to look out, right? Mm-hmm. To be a far-sighted human and just to understand what's happening and what's going to happen. Whereas, you know, maybe the stock market is different right yeah so thinking long term is the biggest thing wow and being patient is that something you just picked up from your dad or is that something your dad like ingrained in you i think i've learned through osmosis right so my dad's been a great mentor uh you know i i try and surround myself with with other mentors as well um I also read a lot. I try and read a lot and a wide variety of, of books on different topics and just having a better understanding of what's happening, what probably will happen in the future and understanding that things take time and you need to take one step at a time. It, it has helped me so far, but I, I have a lot to learn as well, right? Do you think your goal is to is to grow into the role your dad has now? with TVM over time, or is that just too far down the road? You're just taking it one thing at a time. You've got Metro Suite. You want to grow Metro Suite right now. What, one thing at a time. Um, I think that's the right approach. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> so I can't think that far. What kind of books are you reading? Um, the book, well, I just read the Elon Musk book that came out with Walter Isaacson. Okay, is that the new one? The new one. Okay, I read his, um, the big biography before that i'm sure there's tons of yeah them, steve, I think it was, maybe the steve jobs one it was a woman that wrote it okay no it was on elon oh okay yeah i forget the name mm. i got the audible mm-hmm. um so I, I read that i'm reading a book on um design right so it, you know designing a modular home is a unique exercise and i just i'm not a designer but i i want to be able to converse with people that are you know doing the the, the design work whether in-house or external partners so i'm reading a design book um and then you know a third book that i'm about to read is about quantum computing this is very off top off topic but um you know ai is the big thing right now but quantum computing could 
accelerate AI and, and if it changes, it, it, it could change the way that um, computers run in the future. So what is quantum computing? I haven't read the book yet, so I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but I understand it to be like the next logical um, successor to semiconductors. So in, in terms of how a computer is run, and my brother, who's a techie, is going to kill me for trying to explain this. Um, <laughs> semiconductors have either, they're binary, they have an on or off switch. And so certain calculations um, are done binary. Uh, with, a, a, with quantum computing, they, that isn't, it's not a binary um, device. So it can have multiple different stages happen at the same time. And that exponentially increases the potential of a computer uh, computing capacity. Mm. I, I'm so sorry for if I no, completely gee, butchered that. I, if somebody asked me what quantum computing was, you, yeah, you don't want to. I don't know answer. yet, so yeah. No, it's it's interesting that uh, you're learning from so many different topics. It's cool, man. Um, your home's design, it's very nice. How would you summarize it? I'd say it's like a modern uh, aesthetic, like very minimalist. Um, lots of light coming in. Like, how would you describe it now? Reading your your interior design book. Mm -hmm. I, I think minimalist is the minimalist and um, attempting to be modern is probably the right, uh, you know, um, choice of words. TVM, which is my dad is currently building a condo project in Peterborough and those units are, are, are modern. Um, so we, there's a lot of cross pollination, right. In terms of what they're doing and what we're doing. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we haven't really talked about, but I think is important is I, I, I did want, I want to, um, have my friends and family be able to move out, uh, if they wanted to into these, uh, garden suites, right. Cause a lot of younger people are still living, you know, at home. Um, <laughs> you're on a mission to give housing to your friends and family. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's gotten so bad out there. You got to build the homes for them. Like hell, if, if, if they need to move out, you know, build a freaking garden suite, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So, so fair enough, man. Um, so yeah, so modern and minimalistic. How are uh, friends your age? You're 24. So how are people your age thinking about the housing market right now? I think creatively, creatively is the right word. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only way they can. Yeah. So, you know, like getting help from parents is probably reaching its max for a lot of people, right? Cause parents still need their own resources to live. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I thought of or have, or heard from a friend, I think was buying a house and then putting a garden suite in the back. You'd need to have the capital to do this and then living in the garden suite and renting out the main house. And that way, the main house rental income could cover probably the mortgage costs or even with rates, right? Where they are. Um, so that, that was like a one way to think about it. But you know, there's, if you have the capital, you need the just capital. When you're a young person. Yeah. Everyone would make that sacrifice. I mean, especially it's easy with the Metro suite. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. It's not much Thank of you. a sacrifice to make. Thank you. Just the capital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard out there. There's no way around it. Yeah. Right? There's yeah, no tough. way around it. Be creative. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, you don't know this, but what I did is I partnered up with my friends to hmm. purchase investment properties. Oh, cool. So me and my two partners that I own homes with, we all actually rent condos. You know, they're in Toronto. I'm in Oakville. We mm -hmm. rent the condos where we live, but we purchase investment properties together. So we pool our, our, our income, our qualification ability and our down payments. And that's how we were able to start purchasing properties. Hmm. And so it's kind of rent where you want to live, where, you know, it's convenient for you. I work here. So I'm 10 minutes away from here. It's convenient for me. Hmm. I can live in Oakville in a wealthy neighborhood that I wouldn't be able to touch. Normally I wouldn't be able to own there, hmm. but what I can do is I can own where I can make money in these shoulder markets like you talked mm. about, but then get all the benefits of still living in a relatively safe and affluent neighborhood in Oakville, which is mm. very convenient for my life. Wow. Um, like our properties are mainly in St. Catharines, so mm. I'm not having to make the commute from St. Catharines every day. Hmm. So it's just getting creative. Hmm. Yeah. Now are those, uh, properties, single family homes, single family homes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Though we are trying to buy to have that versatility in the future. Mm -hmm. So the bigger lot we can get or the more, you know, if it's already got that side entrance, go mm -hmm. into the basement so we can second suite mm -hmm. it. Um, 
close to university because we've recently gotten into student rentals. Mm-hmm. So like three of my four places are now student rentals. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to buy close to Brock to have that versatility, mm-hmm. to get the higher cash flow. Mm-hmm. That's kind of helped me really carry these properties through these times. Cool. So it's really just taught these higher rates have taught me the importance of versatility hmm. because when rates are 2%, you can just buy the single family home. And even if it's negative a couple hundred bucks, like it's not going to break the bank. Hmm. But as soon as rates go up, man, you want to have some different options. Mm-hmm. You want to increase the, the income on it, switch hmm. the strategy, short-term rental, student rental, second suite, it, garden suite, it, whatever you can do to get the income up right. and hold on to that asset for the long term. Hmm. Are you doing any short-term rentals? I'm not personally, though I know many Rockstar members that are. We've done a few podcasts with people that that specialize in that. Neat. Yeah, I'd love to learn more about it because I know it's a great high income mm-hmm. strategy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's interesting for sure. Yeah, cool, man. Oh, have you heard of anybody doing short term rentals on these types of homes on garden suites? It's so new that it's. I think only like five or ten have been built in the city of Toronto, so it's it's more of a wait and see approach. Yeah. I know these laneway suites that have been built uh, downtown are like they they're selling or renting for just crazy numbers, like crazy numbers. So it's so unique. There's it, something to be said about the uniqueness of it mm-hmm. that people it's got the cool factor mm-hmm. where people want to live in these types of properties. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's like almost like it's it, it is its own home, right? Like yeah. it's like you're living in your own space, but you're you don't own that space. It's, it's, it's cool. Uh, it's it's cool. a miniature detached home. Yeah, exactly. And as long as you're okay with the space for like, yeah, in that miniature home, mm-hmm. then it's a great option. Yeah. Like I actually, so I live in a one bedroom condo and I actually wouldn't even want maybe a two bedroom condo, but I wouldn't really use that second bedroom. Hmm. And when you, like, when you look at heat maps of homes, mm-hmm. you know, most people use like 20 to 30% tops hmm. of their homes when they live in these detached homes. Hmm. It's just so much unused space. And I've thought to myself, because I've pared down my life a lot hmm. to now be comfortable living in this one bedroom home. And sure, sometimes it'd be nice to have a bit of extra space, but then you can kind of sort things out, readjust your life so that if it all fits again, mm-hmm. but I don't want the extra wastage of that. Mm-hmm. So it's something, maybe I've just trained myself to do that. And because of the housing market, it's, mm. it's, it's, you know, been my only option, but mm. I kind of like that aspect where I'm only using what I actually use. Right. And then that, that way, well, you're also like if, so if everyone took your approach, right, there would be, I, I, there's like a massive underutilization I read somewhere of like these extra bedrooms. Oh my god, It's crazy. Yeah. So the, I guess logically the vacant home tax would make sense in terms of addressing that, but that's good, good on you for, for being efficient, right. And, and using the space correctly or, or, or not correctly, but how it fits for your life, right? Like it's, it's a, it's an intelligent use of space. Well, I've just realized that like, this is only what I need. Right. And like you spend a very small percentage of time in these extra spaces in the home. Like mm-hmm. most of your time is spent in the kitchen on, in the living room and usually only a certain spot in the living right. room, in the bedroom, the bathroom, mm-hmm. you know, not much elsewhere, especially if you can pare down a lot of the extra possessions you might not right. kind of need. Um, so I don't know. That's, it's also been forced upon me cause it's not like I could just go and buy that three bedroom, four bedroom mm-hmm. detached home in Oakville. Right. But even then, I'd still want to buy something where I could, you know, live in one unit, rent out the other unit. Hmm. Live in one. Yeah. Hmm. And then in terms of your point, just about underutilization, this last purchase, this uh, home that we bought, it was a single family home being used by one guy, his wife, and their one son. Mm -hmm. They sold the single family home and we turned it into a seven bedroom student home. So it went from housing three people Hmm. to we added two doors up. And we made an extra two bedrooms, but literally by just adding doors. Wow. And now it's housing seven students. Wow. And that brought that this particular property up to its highest and best use. Because hmm. we could have actually second suited it. and But the income is actually a bit higher with the student rental. Mm-hmm. And we can have the seven students in there now. And they're super happy with it. It's close to Brock University. Wow. So you, that's like, that is like a very efficient use of cash, right? Because you bought this, you know, this property and and by i'm sure you just put up like a few partition walls or even doors yeah and then now you have like less seven, than two thousand bucks 
And that was counting some other repairs. Less than what? 2000 bucks to, to, to add the two bedroom. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, the highest and best use is always, it's the best approach. It's the most, you have to be very logical in how you approach these situations. And that sounds like that's, that's a great, you know, cash flow. Like, is it cash flow positive? It is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So like At that's 20, great. 20% down cash flow positive. Wow. Wow. Yeah. With these rates. Wow. And are about you, 600 bucks, 590, I think it was. Wow. Yeah. Would you keep that? Oh, we're keeping it. Yeah. 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 So to your dad's approach and your approach of thinking long-term, mm-hmm. that's something I really learned by grading myself in this community and learning from guys like Tom and Nick and mm. all the coaches here and all the investors here is yeah, think mm. long-term. Mm. So Tom told me something when I bought my first property when I was your age, when I was 24. And he said, um, don't, you know, I was probably nervous and just thinking through, should I do this or something? I don't know. We were talking and he was like, would you own this property? Would you be comfortable owning this property for 10 years or more? And I was like, yeah. He's like, mm. okay. That's, that's always been me and Nick's litmus test. And that always stuck with me. Mm. So any, so I purchased this property with partners, my girlfriend and a friend of ours. Mm. And that was what I asked them. I'm like, guys, are you in this, you know, are you committing to own this property with me for 10 years plus or more? Mm. And they're both like, yeah. So mm. I'm like, okay, I've got long-term thinking partners. We're good. Mm. And our actually, you know, actually between them and my other partners, it's like, we want to own these properties forever. Mm. Like we have no, mm. we never want to sell them. Mm. That's great. It's freaking expensive to sell too, because you got to pay a bunch of tax, right? Yeah, it's inefficient to sell. Yeah. The taxes on them. Yeah, you got to put the cash somewhere, right? Anyways. And then what? Yeah. What do you do with the cash? Yeah. So. Yeah, just own them. Probably one day pay off the mortgages. Mm-hmm. Retire off them. Mm-hmm. Then you have no interest rate risk. Right. At, at a certain point. Right. You have no mortgages. Yeah. What's your risk of the housing? Mm-hmm. By then, you've figured out how to deal with tenants. Right. You know, I already have, I've taken my lumps with tenants and stuff, mm. but I figured it out now. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are your risks? Yeah. Property taxes go up. Yeah. Mm. Government takes it from you. Yeah. <laughs> well, if things get bad enough, man, <laughs> but just logically thinking, right? Yeah. Like, what are your risks at yeah. that point? Natural disasters. Well, Canada, Southern Ontario is one of the most protected places in the world. Right. When it comes to oh, natural I didn't know disasters. That. Mm. Well, think no hurricanes, no right. earthquakes. We're inland. Like no guess. typhoons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess there's like known unknowns and then there's unknown unknowns. Yeah, true. Right. So like those are the known unknowns, but I mean, who knows with whatever, <laughs> Yeah. What are you going to do about that? Yeah. You can't, unknown unknowns. you can't uh, plan for that. Yeah. Thing. Nuclear war, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. All those things your insurance doesn't cover. Ter- right. Terrorism exclusions, all that right. stuff. Yeah. But still pretty, pretty stable politically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now things are good here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll wrap it up here, man. Okay. Cool. Appreciate it. You're doing a great job. You're super impressive, man. I really mean that. And, uh, I just wish you guys the best. If there's anything else we can do to support Metro suite, let us know. And, uh, where can people find out more about you guys? Check out your projects, go to the showroom. Uh, metrosuite.ca. Okay. Yeah. Everything's there. Everything's there. Okay. Metro. Do you guys have social media? Well, uh, yeah, we're on social media as well, but, okay. uh, a comprehensive review of what we offer is on the website. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. A big thank you to Jacob Sofer for coming on the podcast to share his knowledge and what Metro Suites offer to investors. You can go to metrosuite.ca to check them out and you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com slash member to check out the 20 plus different training classes that we hold on a weekly basis for Rockstar Inner Circle members through almost every single week of the year, including the Legal Second Suites and Garden Suites class, which is taught by Andy Tran from Legal Second Suites. We've had that class around for years and it's been super popular and there's 19 plus other ones at this time go to rockstarinnercircle.com slash member to check out all these regular training classes and thank you for listening as always we hope to catch you on the next episode